Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit MeetMolinaCA.com. Let's talk today. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit MeetMolinaCA.com. Let's talk today. Hello and welcome to another podcast. I'm Dave Hendrick and I'm flying solo once again to uh, have a wee chat about transfers, targets, rumours, the usual. If you've been listening to these, you know what I do. I just basically take 45 minutes to an hour, go through the transfer rumours currently floating around the Premier League, ending Liverpool related and uh, just give my thoughts on them. So that's what we'll be doing again today. It's a... Dreary overcast day once again here in rural Ireland. I hope you English people are enjoying your great weather that you've been having, and those of you on the continent as well, uh, enjoying great weather. Ireland gets rain. That's what we get. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's to, you know, compensate for all the booze that we consume. You know, you you can't have too much joy in your life. But either way... We're having a particularly bad summer at uh, this side of the channel. So let's jump into the transfer news. Let's start with something that's sort of Liverpool related, but not really Liverpool related. Phil Coutinho is being linked with a move to Arsenal, uh, a loan with a £10 million loan fee, and Arsenal would pay a portion of his wages. Coutinho earns somewhere in the region of £15 million a year. So probably half, seven and a half million. So it's a 17 and a half million pound outlay for Arsenal to get him in. Now, I have a couple of issues with this. Number one, they've announced yesterday that they're making 55 people redundant. Now, they, these are people that, some of them are match day staff, some of them are shop staff. A lot of them are the recruitment staff as well. Um, they seem to be going to what's known as agent-driven recruitment. It's it's something we've seen at Wolves over the last couple of years. It's something that Barcelona have been very guilty of um, over the last couple of years as well. And Arsenal's head of football, Raúl Sanlihi, he is former Barcelona director of football operations. He was one of the pioneers, if you want to use that word, of agent-driven recruitment. And it doesn't work at big clubs, especially big clubs with questionable finances. If you look at Barcelona's track record, especially the last couple of years that he was there, their transfers were absolutely disastrous for them. Um, One of them was actually Phil Coutinho. It's basically a situation where to curry favour with agents who have maybe bigger and better stars that you would want to bring in, you overpay and pay higher agent fees for their lesser targets. Now, the infamous Kia is, of course, Phil's agent. He's also the agent of Willian, who Arsenal are also going to try and sign. And if you want my thoughts on that, there's an article going out on EPL Index today um, about why I, I don't think that's the right move. And I don't think Coutinho is the right move. I think Coutinho would be a better move for them than Willian because it's only a one-year loan. And while it is expensive, it doesn't hamper the long-term development of younger players. Um, I go into that in, in the piece about Willian, but 
with with Coutinho, he doesn't fit in the three four three. Now Arteta has said he plans to play four three three next season more often, and Phil can play as an eight in a four three three. Not against everybody, but against a lot of teams in the league, he can play there. And what that would give you is it would give you a year to develop Baki Osaka into that number eight role. And then when Phil heads back to Barcelona and then on to wherever else, Saka could be ready to take that role on. Now, completely different type of player to Phil. But if he has experience and has gotten minutes under his belt in that role, I really think he could flourish there. Um, The issue is you can't play Phil in a three if Danny Ceballos is also going to be in a three. So I think they'd have to do one or the other. Now, there were reports last night that if they sign Willian and can bring back Ceballos, they won't uh, go for Coutinho. Uh, there was a certain journalist from the Telegraph who said they were signing both and about two hours later corrected himself. So I don't think anybody really knows. Um, but it does appear that Arsenal are you know, trying to get on board with Kia. Um, we've seen Arsenal do this already. Pablo Mari, the centre-back, brought in uh, on loan in January and then permanently this summer. His agent is best mates with Edu, who's the director of football or the technical director at Arsenal. Um, he's not a very good centre-back. And it has left Arsenal, you know, £8 million down from what was already a small budget and in need of still a centre-back to partner William Saliba in that 4-3-3, where you'd imagine it'll be Bellerin on the right, Saliba plus one, and Kieran Tierney on the left. Now, that is potentially a much better defence than anything Arsenal have slogged out for the last 10 years. Is it ideal? No, not really, because Bellerin's not a great defender, and in a 4-3-3, he does get exposed. He's fine in a 3-4-3 as a wing-back. That plays into his strengths. And... You know, if they play the three-four-three, three, they will still need a centre-back. The one person who's strongly linked and would suit both systems can play on the left of a of a two in four-three-three three, and can play either in the centre or on the left of a back three is Gabriel from Lille. Uh, by all accounts, thirty million is the asking price. Arsenal seem comfortable with that. I think he'd be a very good signing for them. Um, he's a, a ball-playing centre-back, but he's a, he's a good defender. He's big and strong. He's quick. And I think him and Saliba could form a really, really strong partnership um, if given time to develop. Now, they'll need a, a real midfield put in front of them, not Granit Xhaka and the paper-mache brigade that they've had. They'll need a, an upgrade in goal, but they can probably get by with Leno and Martinez for another year. Um, but Gabriel would represent a really smart signing for Arsenal if they can get him. There's other clubs interested. Manchester United are meant to be interested, but that's a bit of a weird one because they spent £80 million on Harry Maguire last year, and he plays on the left side of the, the centre-back pairing. It's really a right-side centre-back they want. Now, people will say, well, Maguire's right-footed, and that's true, but he hasn't played as a right-side centre-back at Leicester United and to my knowledge, not at Hull. <clears throat> so we'll have to wait and see what they do. United have kind of been linked with everybody. Um, Sancho and Grealish seem to be the top two targets. They don't seem to want to pay the money for either of those. I don't know that either of those are the right signings for them. I look at that United team and De Gea, yeah. Juan Bissaka, yeah. I really like that Brandon Williams as a left back. They've got Maguire. They need a partner for Maguire, um, and then their back four will be will be set. And then they have, you know, Fosu Mensa, Lindelof, Bailly, and Shaw as a backup back four, and that's good as well. So I think one centre back boxes that off. Um, I think they need one in midfield, a holding midfielder to go with Pogba and Bruno Fernandez, um, Will Fendidi or somebody of that ilk. Don't think Leicester will sell him, but somebody of of that. That profile would be would be a good fit there. And then you have Matic and Fred, and if you keep Andres Pereira or Andres Pereira rather as your you know backup midfield three, um, and they obviously want help up front, but I don't know that they need a starter. I I think Greenwood is sensational. Rashford's looked very good playing from the left. Martial's had a great year through the middle. I think you know Dan James is raw, but he's a good prospect. If they could bring in 
a good backup number nine and then, you know, a good wide player. They don't have to be stars. They just have to be guys that can come in and do a job for you. Don't cause you to have a massive level drop when any of the starting front three are out. Um, someone like an Ollie Watkins might be ideal for them. He won't cost a fortune. He can play wide or through the middle. Jonathan David would be another another option. He'd probably be a higher ceiling off option. Uh, maybe a little bit more difficult to get because there's more interest. But that sort of profile of, of player you know, as a backup number nine who can also shift wide and then go and get someone who naturally plays wide. Ishmael Asar, somebody of that nature. That, Greenwood, Martial, Rashford, James, David, Sar. I mean, that is a strong front six. That's a really good option to have. And then you're not spending 110 million on Jaden Sancho. And Sancho's better than any of the players I've named. But... If you bring him in, you are going to hamper Mason Greenwood's uh, development. That's that's questionable as to whether that's the right move for anybody. Uh, Greenwood's the best prospect to come out of United since the class of 92, without without question. He's a better prospect than Pogba was. So, for me, they should be doing everything they can to make sure he is given an open road. So, yeah, I, I don't think United need Gabriel. I think Arsenal do. I think Gabriel's a better signing for Arsenal. Um, I think they should avoid Coutinho. I think they should avoid Willian. I think Gabriel Gabriel makes a ton of sense. And his buddy, Bubakari Samari, who I've you know said Liverpool should sign, he would make sense for Arsenal in their midfield as well. He's exactly what they need. Um Another left-side centre-back who has completed a move is Nathan Aki, became Manchester City's second signing of the summer after Ferran Torres. Uh, on a day where Torres kind of outed himself as a bit of a bellend, um, said that he told Valencia that he wanted to be the highest earner or among the highest earners, and he wanted to be the club captain. Um, first and foremost, he was nowhere near the best player at Valencia. Uh, secondly, he wasn't a leader in any way, shape, or form when you watch him play. He's a talented player, there's no question, but he looks a little bit like Jesus Navas to me. And everybody saw what happened when Jesus Jesus Navas went to City. Uh, It wasn't a success. He was there quite a while. He won some trophies, but he went from being a really highly touted winger to basically been a backup right back during his years at Manchester City. I don't think Torres is worthy of the hype that's put around him. I could be completely wrong, but from what I've seen, I think he's a big step down from Leroy Sané. Aki, I really like. I think it's a really smart move for City. $41 million is a lot, obviously, but they don't care. They have money to burn. Um, he's obviously not going to be first choice, unless he's going to move and play right centre-back, which he has done for a couple of games at Bournemouth. He's going to be a backup, but he's not just a backup centre-back. He is a backup centre-back behind Laporte, who's had injury problems. He's a backup left-back behind Mendy, who's had a lot of injury problems. He's a better left-back than anyone else on their uh, squad other than Mendy, and a better centre-back than anyone on the squad other than Laporte. Now, I I believe they're going to bring in another centre-back. They're looking for someone to partner Laporte, so we wait and see who they get, but... Aki's a smart boy. He covers those two positions. He can also play holding midfield. He will tell you his natural position is holding midfield. That's where he wants to actually play. Now, at City, Fernandinho's still there. He's maybe got a year left. Rodri is the long-term fit there. But if Aki can be his backup long-term as well, then he's going to get a lot of games across all three positions. I think Aki's a smart signing for City. Little bit of an overpay, like I said, but they don't care. They have tons and tons of money. Spurs have been quite busy so far. Um, it looks like they're about to close a deal that brings them Pierre Emile Heusberg. I really like him. I think he's going to be a great addition for them. I think he's, I think he's arguably Southampton's best player. I know Ings will get all the headlines because of the goals, but when they turn their season round. Heusberg was the one running the games for, the, for them in midfield. Um, 
he's he's a really good player and he'll fit at Spurs. They need a ball winner. They need a, a shielding midfielder. He was the best ball winner in the league last year from a central midfield position. So I think he makes sense. They're selling Kyle Walker-Peters um, to Southampton. Now, Fulham are rumoured to be interested in him as well. But I think he'll end up at Southampton. He seemed to enjoy himself there last season under Ralph. So, you know, that would probably mean Spurs need a right-back. Now, what's compounding the need for a right-back is that Serge Aurier is apparently on his way to AC Milan. Now, this will give Milan, Aurier and Theo Hernandez, which, if both of them could maximise their talents, could potentially be one of the best full-back tandems in the world. Aurier, pre-PSG and even his first season at PSG, was an absolute force of nature, just a one-man wrecking crew down the wing, could do everything. You didn't need to play a winger or a wide midfielder in front of him. Just get out of the way and let him have, have full reign. Fails the same on the left. But if Spurs can get 20 million for Aurier and 12 million in for Walker Peters, for two fullbacks that it's pretty clear Jose Mourinho does not want, that's good. That's smart. That's clever. It, it opens up funds as well to go and get whatever right back they do want. Now, Ziki Chalek, the right back from Lille, he's been linked. He's a good player. He's not really a Mourinho-type fullback, but he is a good player. Max Ahrens has long been linked there. He's not a Mourinho fullback at all, but he's super talented. He's a really, really good prospect. And with Norwich going down, he won't be as expensive as he would have been had they stayed up. He definitely won't be as expensive in the, the COVID universe as um, as he would have been pre-COVID. So maybe Max Ahrens lands there. Spurs are going to have options. I think getting in Heusberg gives them the complete midfield. I'd like to see Jose go back to old Jose and go to a diamond because I think then they have the perfect grouping for that. But we wait and see. I think Spurs... Spurs' biggest problem next season is maybe going to be Mourinho. If he's if he's just going to be the guy we've seen over the last five years, then they have no chance of any type of real success. Maybe a cup, but not challenging for the title or anything like that. And that's what that's what their goals are. That's why they've built that super impressive uh, stadium. It's why they built that great training ground. It's why they gave Harry Kane a big contract. It's why they tied Deli Ali down long-term and why they gave Toby Alderweireld a 30 or 31, a long-term contract. Spurs are set up to try and win now. The manager may not be, and that might hold them back. That's one to keep an eye on. I don't think he sees out next season. That's my prediction for Jose for next season. I don't think he sees the year out. Um, On the topic of fullbacks... It came out yesterday that uh, Liverpool have made a or have you know made an opening offer or, or made contact with Norwich for Jamal Lewis. Now the initial reports uh, I think came from Melissa Reddy and then James Pierce followed it up with one of his colleagues at the Athletic and they basically said Liverpool want to pay around ten million, Norwich want about twenty million. James Pierce then sent out a tweet. Uh, later in the day, which said that, from his understanding, Lewis was desperate to make the move to Liverpool, understood that he would come in as an understudy, and really wanted to make it happen. There's rumours he's flown back from his holiday to try and make a deal happen. This all says to me that a deal is close. I don't think we'll pay £20 for him, nor do I think we should. I think he's potentially worth it. But they're a relegated team. They're a championship team now. That's just what they are. And even though he has played a full season in the Premier League, as things stand, he's a championship player. Um, he was really good in the championship for them or the year they came up. He was less good last year, but I was still impressed because I thought his defensive, his defensive game took a step forward. I think Lewis makes an awful lot of sense. People will look at him and go, yeah, but he's coming in to replace or to challenge Andy Robertson. He's never going to get a game. Robertson's one of the best left-backs in the world. And that is absolutely true. Andy Robertson, right now, on the 6th of August 2020, is one of the 
three or four best left backs in, in the entire world. He is a tremendous footballer. But the Andy Robertson we signed from Hull wasn't one of the 10 best left backs in the league at the time. That signing was ridiculed by Liverpool fans. There was absolute outrage from Liverpool fans that we had signed Andy Robertson from Hull, who'd been relegated and conceded 80 goals. Now, bear in mind, at the same season, Harry Maguire was in that same defence. He's now the most expensive defender in the world. So I don't know that it was their fault that they conceded so many goals and were so poor. It may well have been the surrounding cast. Um, But Andy Robertson has taken monumental leaps forward in his development over the last three seasons. He has gone from being a part of one of the worst defences, maybe the worst defence in Premier League history, to being part of one of the best defences in Premier League history. And he's an equal part of that. I mean, Virgil is the guy. Defensively, it's all about Virgil. Trent is the second best player among the defenders. But Robbo's the second best defender among the defenders. Then Gomez, then Trent. Um, Andy Robertson is, is proof that Michael Edwards... Ian Graham and the analytics team find talent where others miss it. And they don't just look at what is a player doing now. They look at what is this player capable of doing in the future. We have an incredible coaching staff with one of the very best developmental coaches in the world in Pep and Linders, who has transformed Andy Robertson. And I think he can do the same with Lewis. And I think Lewis will look at Robertson and go, the whole team you were in were worse than the Norwich team I was in. I was better this season than you were that season. I can be better than you. I'm a better player at 22 than you were at 22. If I go to Liverpool in two to three years, I can be at your level. And if he hits that level, then we have a decision to make. Robbo at that point will be about 29. Lewis will be 25. So you'd probably move Robertson on and just transition to Lewis. If he falls just short of that level, he's going to be a 30 to 40 million pound left back that we can sell and reinvest that money. There is no downside to signing Jamal Lewis. Absolutely no downside to signing Jamal Lewis. Other positives of it, we can rest Robertson a bit more because he looked pretty exhausted by the end of the season, even with the break for COVID. It means we never have to see James Milner play left back again because God bless him, the lad will run all day long, but he is painfully slow and his left foot isn't even for standing on anymore. We need a pacey, left-footed left back as a backup to Andy Robertson because the style we play dictates that. Andy Robertson as our outlet is so important in his ability to get beyond the fullback and either get the cutback or get the cross. That can't happen with a slow right-footed player or even a quick right-footed player. Nico Williams is pretty quick. It looked like a disaster when he played there. Jamal Lewis makes a ton of sense, an absolute ton of sense. Now, if we can't get him, if he gets priced out, Brentford not coming up, Rico Henry, Profile-wise, very similar. Style-wise, very similar. At this point, maybe a little bit better going forward um, than Lewis, but he is, I think, two years older. Brentford are one of the teams meant to be interested in Yasser Larushi. Maybe there's a deal that could be had there if we can't get the deal done with Norwich. I think we get the deal done with Norwich. I don't think James Pearce tweets out uh, Lewis very keen on deal, desperate to make it happen, whatever without the club saying, yeah, like, you know, this this is going to happen, go ahead. Uh, he's just, you know, he's just careful in what he says. Um, bad news, Pierce. That's it. Look, the, the man has made his, his name on crushing the hopes and dreams of Liverpool fans when a, when a transfer target comes up. Now, I do want to just take a quick minute to address the FSG out brigade and let anyone listening who's part of that know that you're an idiot. Uh, and if you know any of them and they don't listen to this, 
pass it on to them that they're an idiot. FSG are one of the best things that ever happened to this club. They've led us to great success. They've extended Anfield. They're going to extend it more. They're building a world-class training facility, which we have desperately needed for about 10 years now. And we're debt-free. Like We operate with a minimal working debt that is standard practice. We have one of the best managers in the world, one of the best goalkeepers in the world, arguably the best right-back in the world, without question the best centre-back in the world, arguably the best defensive midfielder in the world, arguably the best front three in the world, one of the five, you know, four or five best left-backs in the world. None of that happens without, without Fenway Sports Group. None of it. Trent, you'd have Trent, but he'd be a midfielder. Because Brendan Rodgers or Roy Hodgson or whoever would not have had the foresight to move him to right back. Maybe Pep Guardiola. Maybe. Probably, in fact. Pep probably would have done it. He did it with Josh Kimmich. But I don't know that anyone else would have had that kind of foresight to move Trent, a promising midfielder, to right back at 18 17, he moved him. 18, he put him in the team and uh, and trust him the way he did. I don't think we have any of this without them, without those owners. I think they're just, I think they're among the very best owners in all of sports, any, any type of sport you want to talk about. Football, rugby, basketball, baseball, American football, hockey, whatever. I don't think you can name five better ownership situations than Fenway Sports Group in Liverpool. Um, and I think if you were Fenway Sports Group and the Boston Red Sox was probably up there as well. Four World Series since taking over. I know Red Sox fans are upset about Mookie Betts. But you have four World Series. You didn't win one for like a million years. Know your place, Boston. Um, Rico Henry is also a target, allegedly, for Crystal Palace. Now, Crystal Palace, as we know, managed by the Hodge, don't seem to like to sign players under the age of about 43. So James Milner in about, you know, was he 34 now? So in about nine years, James Milner, after another spell at Leeds, maybe a spell at Villa, another spell at Newcastle, a third spell at Leeds. Then James Milner uh, could be ready for the Hodge He'll be about 90 by then. Um, but Palace seem to have a real target list this summer. They seem to be looking for real players. And they seem to be looking at the championship, and I think that's smart. I don't think they've got the budget to go for established Premier League players who will improve them. But the championship is full of quality players. You just have to look. Now, they brought in Nathan Ferguson already. Um from West Brom. He was meant to arrive in January, if people remember, had an issue with his knee, and that deal had to be scrapped because he needed surgery. Um, but he has arrived. Now, he can play right-back, left-back, or centre-back. Long-term, I think he's a centre-back. They're seemingly penciling him in for right-back this year, and that that's smart. You let him adapt to the league and, and let him continue to develop because he's so young. But Rico Henry would make a lot of sense at left-back. They do have, obviously, Patrick Van Aanholt, but he's not a particularly good defender, and he is 30 now. Um, if Liverpool wanted a short-term left-back, he could be an option. He's good friends with Ginny. I don't think they'll look at him, but Rico Henry would make sense for them. The other three championship players that they've been linked with, though, make a lot of sense. One of them is Ollie Watkins, who I mentioned earlier. They need a goal scorer. That's just the be-all and end-all of it, is that they need a goal scorer. They are absolutely desperate for someone who can put the ball in the net 15 times a season. Benteke has been a disaster. AU is not really a striker. He's a converted winger. Um, they've tried playing Zaha there. And that's that has worked to an extent. The problem is they don't have anyone to play around him. Um, Watkins makes sense. Converted winger who just this past season was absolutely outstanding for Brentford. Now, I think he's the second best of their BMW uh, front three. 
I think Ben Rama's the the best of the three, but Watkins might be the one who transitions best to the Premier League. 25 goals in the championship, and he played every game, played all 46 games. Uh, The previous two years, he was playing as a wide player, scored 10 in both seasons. His last season at Exeter, he, he grabbed 15. Now he's, again, playing as a winger, but that was in League Two. So he has stepped up continually, and he has gotten better each year. I think Watkins at 24, he'll turn 25 just after Christmas, would make a really good signing for Crystal Palace. Give them the striker they've been crying out for. And give Wolf Zaha someone to play with because it's been slim pickings for him over his career. Now, those two should be enough. Those two together would be an exciting thought for for Crystal Palace. But the other guy they've been linked with should send them over the moon. Um... Eberichi Easy from QPR is as skillful a player as there is currently operating in England. He is just a magician with a football. Um, lovely sense of, of touch, lovely directional play. Really, really good balance. Stronger than he looks. Really good dribbler. Creative passer. Can shoot from pretty much anywhere. Like His, his shooting range is, oh, I've, I've crossed halfway. Let me have a shot now. And he'll get it on target. He's a, he's a really, really good player. He's far too good for the champ, championship. He will leave this summer. QPR fans um, should, should wave goodbye to him. He will leave this summer and he'll go to a Premier League club and I think he'll be a success. He's been linked with West Ham as well. And again, that you know is a move that would make sense. Although, only if they sell Felipe Anderson and or... Uh, Lanzini, but if he lands at Palace and Palace can play Zaha on the right, where I think he's better, because I think he gets, I think he gets a little bit too fancy when he plays on the left. I think he simplifies his game on the right, but play him on the right and give him the the freedom to roam a bit. Watkins through the middle, and easy off the left. I think that could be very very good. Now they still have basically a whole team that needs to be filled, but. Those two would make really good signings. Rico Henry would as well, but those two in particular would make really good signings. As I mentioned, West Ham have been strongly linked with uh, with Easy, and another player they've been strongly linked with from the Championship is Matty Cash, the attacking right back from from Nottingham Forest, and he's another one that if Spurs need a right back, he's someone they should look at now. Forrester are getting ideas way above the station and slapping twenty-five million pound price tags on him, and he's a very good player. And I think in a couple of years, could absolutely develop into a player worth that kind of money. But the fact of the matter is that he is, at this point, a twenty-two-year-old Championship player who hasn't played above that level. Uh, is completely unproven above that level. He has shown an elite, a potentially elite level at times over the last two years. Really liked what I saw of him last season going forward. This season, I thought he took a little bit of a step back defensively, but a big step forward, or sorry, a little bit of a step back offensively, a little, but a big step forward defensively. I thought he really nailed in on the defensive side of the game. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a very, very good player. And, he would make sense for West Ham. Their fullback situation is maybe the worst in the league. I don't think they have one single fullback at their club who's Premier League caliber. Not one. Zabaleta is finished. Fredericks is a championship player. Um, the left back, I mean, Masawaka can't defend. The poor boy. He's very good going forward. By Lord, he is terrible defensively. And Aaron Cresswell is just a bit past his best. He's had a couple too many injuries. And maybe a bit more suited to playing on the left of a back three than actually as a left back these days. West Ham need massive help defensively. The only half-decent defender at the club is is Issa Diop. And even he's he's had a, a step back in his development this season. There's been regression there. But everything around him is a dumpster fire absolute dumpster fire um, the goalkeeping situation is not great they don't have any goalkeeper worth their salt under the age of about 34 
from midfield on, I think I think you know I think they're in good good shape. I think they could do with adding a couple. Like, like I said, they've been they've been linked with easy. They've been linked with Ollie Watkins as well. They've been linked with Saeed Benrama. Those kind of signings are depending on what shape they play. I mean, Watkins and Haller in a two would be would be really good. I think. Um, I think Haller needs to play in a two. Unfortunately, the rest of the team is kind of set up to play um, four three three. Now, what they could do is. If they say they buy Watkins easy in cash, cash is a right attacking right back. Play Pablo Fernald on the right of your midfield and have him tuck in, which opens the channel for cash to bomb forward. Rice and uh, Suchek in midfield, really good pairing. Two big, powerful players. One a sitter, one goes box to box. That could be good balance. Easy off the left if they sell uh, Felipe Anderson. Now, I, I keep Felipe Anderson personally and play him and just get the best out of him. Run your team through him. The guy's he's a special talent. And then Watkins and, and Haller up front. I think they'll get you goals. That, that puts Antonio and Bowen as, as squad options. Lanzini and Yarmolenko, if they stick around as squad options, that would just be a better situation. Ollie Watkins could solve a lot of their problems going forward. Now, the, like I said, the, defe- the defense is still a dumpster fire. Cash would be a monumental improvement on what's there, but there's no way they're paying 25 million, nor should they or anyone else pay 25 million for him. Um, speaking of getting paid, mentioned earlier that Arsenal have, have um, made 55 people redundant. And uh, somehow some of this anger has been directed towards Mesut Ozil. Now, David Ornstein has reported this morning that Arsenal players are very upset by these redundancies because when they took their pay cuts, they did it under the understanding that all the club staff would be kept on, that there would be no redundancies at Arsenal as a result of COVID. Mesut Ozil refused to take the pay cut because he didn't believe that Arsenal would stay true to the word. He did not believe that the powers that be at Arsenal were honest people. And he's been proven right. He believed that that money was better coming to him so he could redirect it to charity, which is what he does. Just Google Mesut Ozil charity and see how much that guy does. See how much he gives away. See how much he invests in other people. It's remarkable. He's a genuinely good human being. But... Certain commentators in the media have decided that it's Mesut Ozil's fault that these people have been made redundant because Mesut Ozil earns too much money. <laughs> he does earn too much money. He absolutely earns too much money. Mesut Ozil has paid £350,000 a week. That's £17.5 million, give or take a few hundred thousand per year he doesn't get in the team doesn't make the bench a lot of times £350,000 a week the national average salary in the UK is £35,000 a year so Mesut Ozil earns in one week what the average UK worker earns in a decade. A decade. Now, bear in mind that the national average salary gets skewed because you have a very small percentage of the country earning ludicrous money, be it in sports or you know banking or whatever, television, music, whatever. So, normal Joe Soap you know, who works in Tesco might earn 18 grand a year, which means that Osul is taking home more in a week than that guy will earn in 20 years, two decades. So when Arsenal are paying him 350 grand a week, 17 and a half million a year, and laying off 55 people, who's Combined salaries maybe are three million a year. 
you could say, yeah, they're spending their money in the wrong places. Their priorities are wrong. But you know whose fault that isn't? That's not Mesut Ozil's fault. In no way, shape or form is it Mesut Ozil's fault that Arsenal gave him that contract. In no way, shape or form is it Mesut Ozil's fault that he collects that money to go and train and then either sit in the stands or stay at home on the weekends. It's not his fault. just isn't. When he entered contract negotiations with Arsenal for this contract, they had an option. That option was to say, no. No, Mesut, we're not going to give you this contract that you want because it's not in the best interests of our club. We're going to sell you. While you have value, while your wages aren't outlandish, we're going to sell you. And we're going to go in a different direction. The club made the decision to give him that contract. That's the club's mistake. And the club have to live with that mistake now. And the club have compounded that mistake with these redundancies. They're going to further compound it by giving Willian, who's 32, a three or four year contract on a 120 to 200 grand a week. I'm, I'm guessing it's 120 guaranteed and an extra 80 for playing. He'll get about six to 10 million in a signing on bonus. That's three years salary for all those people they laid off, by the way, two, two to three years salary for all those player people that they let off for a fellow who doesn't fit in their team. A guy who doesn't help them get top four. Just a guy whose agent is a friend of, of their boss. It's not Mesut Ossel's fault that Arsenal gave him that contract, that Arsenal pay him that money. It's not Mesut Ossel's fault that no club is now willing to come in and match those wages. So Arsenal have a decision to make. They can either let him go on a free or try and get some small sum, five million which they then give to him as a, a golden handshake and a, a goodbye, similar to what United are doing with um, with Alexis. I mean, United are paying Alexis to go away. Arsenal could do the same thing. Whether they will or not, I don't know. But regardless of that fact, it's not his fault. Absolutely not his fault. Now, you can say he's a mercenary, and I do agree. But at the same time, the club gave him the contract. They didn't have to. He's he's not not playing for Arsenal on a talent basis or an effort basis or an injury basis. He's not playing for Arsenal on a system basis. They play 4-3-3 or 3-4-3. He doesn't fit in either of those systems. For Mesut Ossel to work, you need to play a diamond or 4-2-3-1. You need to play with a 10 because that's where he plays. That's what he is. He's a number 10. He's tried to be a number 8. He can't do it. Doesn't have the doesn't have the um the capacity for it. It's not his fault. He is a number ten, and at his peak he was a great number ten. At his peak he was one of the six or seven best players in the world when he was at Real Madrid creating twenty five goals a season. So for commentators to go on Sky national broadcast. And try and make out that it's his fault that these people have lost their jobs. And I sympathize with each and every one of them. And I, I, I genuinely hope that compromise or, or some sort of decision can be reached here where the guys who aren't going to be hugely employable. So, like, this, their scouts will be hugely employable. They'll get jobs elsewhere. No problem. They'll all be back and work by the end of the summer. But the match day staff, the shop staff, they might have a bit of a tougher time, especially at the moment with, with COVID. Um, I hope something can be done done to help those people. Absolutely. But it's not Mesut Ossel's fault what happened to them. I doubt if you ask them, any of them would say it's his fault. They might say, well, they pay him 350 grand a week. They wouldn't pay me 25 grand a year. And that's fine. But them, not him. It's their fault. No one else's fault. Um, last thing before we jump into some transfer rumours. Leicester uh, continued to be linked with Trincao, the young Portuguese 
winger who signed for Barcelona uh, in January and was to move this summer, has moved this summer. Uh, Barca obviously desperate to lower their wage bill, bring in some money. Rumours that they you know, might be willing to loan him out. Now, Leicester's first option apparently was loan with an option to buy. Oh, no, sorry. First bid, loan with an obligation to buy uh, after two years. Barca turned that down because at the moment they don't want to sell him. They don't want to commit to selling him. They'd rather wait and see how he develops. So Leicester apparently are set to go back in with a second offer, which will be a two-year loan with an option to buy. So they'll agree a price, and it'll be Barcelona's choice at that point whether they they want to go ahead with that. Um, again, I have an article on EPL Index um, as to why I think this is a great move for Leicester. I think he's a perfect fit. Uh, I'd encourage you all, I'd ask you all, I'd beg you all to go and check that article out. Uh, EPLindex.com, at EPLindex on Twitter, you'll find it there. Um, but I, I, I think he's a, a really, really talented player who'd fit in well at Leicester City. Right, let's ramble through the uh, the current transfer gossip, uh, as always, using uh, bbc.com forward slash sport forward slash football forward slash gossip. Uh, Manchester City want to sign four more players this summer. Of course they do. Uh, Nap- Napoli's Senegalese centre-back Kaladu Koulibaly and Inter Milan's Argentine striker Latura Martinez are among those on their list of targets. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're on the list of targets for pretty much every top club in Europe. Doesn't mean a whole lot. That's just a, that's just clickbait. That's what that is. Shame on you, Sky Sports. That is clickbait. Uh, Manchester City have also made an approach for Atletico Madrid's Portuguese playmaker, Joe Felix. That's from the Athletic. Uh, I'd imagine they got a very short, two-worded response. The second one, second word is probably off. I won't say the first one, but I'm sure you can guess. Just think of how angry Diego Simeone gets when someone doesn't press properly. Now imagine how angry he's going to be when Pep Guardiola tries to take his best player away. Um, Barcelona midfield uh, winger, uh, Phil Coutinho, not a winger, he's a midfielder. Phil Coutinho, as uh, possible move to, Bar- to Arsenal, is at an advanced stage. We've talked about that. It's not at an advanced stage. It may not happen. We'll wait and see. Uh, again, Arsenal have made a, a three-year contract offer to, to Willian. Yeah, I, it's the wrong move. It really is the wrong move. Uh, Chelsea have prioritised the signing of £60 million rated Uruguay defender Jose Jimenez from Atletico Madrid after being priced out of a move for West Ham's England midfielder and centre-back Declan Rice. Now, that's from the Daily Star, so you can generally just rubbish anything they say, but, I mean, Declan Rice isn't going to cost a whole lot more than Jimenez. So I don't know why you'd give up on him if he was your first target to spend just a little bit less on somebody else. Even though, I mean, Jimenez is a much better defender than Declan Rice, who's not a defender and would need to be converted back into a a centre-back. Remember, Declan Rice was a centre-back at Chelsea in their underage team. They deemed him not good enough and released him. He went to West Ham, developed a little bit, got moved into midfield and you know became the player he is now. Um, would be it would be strange to move him. Sp- spend that much money on a on a midfielder and movement defence would be strange. But it's Chelsea. Chelsea are also in advanced talks with Real Madrid Spanish left back Sergio Regulin, who, who spent last season on loan at Sevilla and was really really good for Sevilla. Probably one of the two or three best left backs in the league last year. He would be an improvement um, on the current Chelsea left backs. I, I imagine Emerson Palmieri will leave, uh, probably go back to, to Italy. He's been linked with Inter Milan and his former club Roma. Um, and he, and Regulon is better than uh, Marcus Alonso, but Marcus Alonso being there could help him settle in, you know, having that, that Spanish buddy. I don't think they'll find a buyer for, um, for him either. So I, I think Regulon makes a lot of sense. This is one of the first really sensible links I've seen for Chelsea. And it's from ESPN, so I don't know who the the Chelsea reporter is there, but makes sense. Uh, Barcelona keeper Marc-Andre Ter Stegen is set to sign a new five-year contract at the Spanish club, which will disappoint Chelsea, 
who were monitoring the 28-year-old German international contract situation. It won't disappoint them because they knew they never had a chance. He's not leaving. Why would he? He's one of the three best goalkeepers in the world. He He's not going to leave Barcelona. Not a hope. Um, I always love the use of the word monitoring, though. As a Liverpool fan, we all remember those wonderful days when, you know, Ian Eyre was monitoring half of Europe. Um, yeah, they're not going to sign him. Either stick with Kepa and put a real defence in front of him or buy Onana from from Ajax. Just do it soon. Uh, it'd be great if Chelsea could get all their business done so we don't have to listen to them anymore. Um, right, there's a rumour then about uh, James Rodriguez going to Atletico Madrid. I can't be bothered with that. It's just nonsense. Um, Tottenham are ready to sell 35 million rated right back Serge Aurier with AC Milan and Monaco both interested. Who is rating him at 35 million and have they not seen him play for the last three years? 20 million is good value for him. Anything above that is nonsense. Uh, Werder Bremen want to take Manchester United's 20-year-old Dutch winger Tahit Chong on loan. It would be a good loan for him. I think the Bundesliga would suit him. Uh, he needs a loan away from United to continue his development. I was really surprised he signed an extension there and made a decision to stay because I, I thought he would have gone. I think I thought he would have done what Angel Gomes has done and, and, and left because I don't see that he'll get, get games there, especially if they're going to sign Sancho. Um, I just don't see that there's a path for him at, at United. So... If I was him, I'd, I'd definitely be looking to take a loan offer. Uh, more Crystal Palace news. Outstanding. Crystal Palace have offered a contract to Scotland winger Ryan Fraser, 26-year-old as a free agent, after leaving Bournemouth. Now, the next one then is that Fulham are, are, have joined uh, Palace in, in pursuing him. I, I, I'm guessing these are not the clubs he thought he'd get offers from when he decided to run down his contract at Bournemouth. Last year, he was been linked with the likes of Arsenal and Manchester United. So it's a bit of a fall. If I was him, I think Fulham is where I would go. I think he'd fit a little bit better in how they play. Um, did not have a good season this past year. Seemed, seemed distracted by all the contract stuff. And, yeah, he let himself down this past season. But he's a decent player, and I think he would improve Fulham. Um, they need a lot of improvement, so you know he, he'd be a good start there. Caretaker boss Jason Tindall is the leading candidate uh, contender to replace Eddie Howe as Bournemouth manager. It, it always amuses me when guys get appointed as the caretaker manager when everybody's on holiday. Does he get to put that on his CV? Managed no games, oversaw no training sessions, uh, went on holiday. It's a bit pointless, really. Um, it's the cheap, easy opt-out for Bournemouth. I had hoped they would look beyond their own um, their own clubhouse. Uh, I think they could do better. I think there's... I think there's managers out there that, you know, Danny Crawley, I think he'd be a great appointment for them. I thought he did brilliantly at Huddersfield. Um, uh, You know, maybe Tyndall's good. I don't know. I don't know. Fulham will offer manager Scott Parker a new contract after winning the championship. That's absolutely deserved. Well done, Scott Parker. Um, The third biggest achievement of Scott Parker's career uh, number two, winning the Writers Player of the Year. Number one, obviously, uh, his barnstorming performance during World War II. Um, what a guy. Great haircut as well. Seth and Trev Downey were discussing recently when he began getting that haircut. I surmised probably around the age of seven. Uh, prior to that, he was probably getting the bowl haircut because, you know, barbers weren't as accessible to the normal man back then. So his man probably just slapped the ball in his head and cut around it as he got a little bit older, got a little bit more style, and he's had it ever since. Um, Fulham are ready to, to offer their own, um, put their own offer out for 
Kyle Walker-Peters, as I said. Uh, I think he's a good signing for whoever gets him. He's a good signing for, for Southampton. He's a good signing for Fulham. If I was him, I'd go to Southampton because I think Southampton are a more secure Premier League team. Everton and Wolves have been linked with a move for Barcelona's Brazilian midfielder Rafinha with the Catalan club holding out for a price matching his release clause of $14.5 million. I would guess that's not his release clause because Barcelona put ludicrous release clauses. Trincao, who I mentioned earlier, his is $500 million. They've signed a Brazilian kid. I think he's 19. He's gone into their B team. His is $300 million. So I don't think um, Rafinha's is $14.5 million. If it is, I wouldn't be against Liverpool signing him for that. If you sell Shakiri and just want someone to come in and play as a backup on the right-hand side, Rafinha is an incredibly talented player. Injuries have anything stopped him becoming a top-class player. And uh, it'd be nice to have him there for when his brother arrives as well, wouldn't it? I'd just let you stew on that one. Just think about it. Um, Aston Villa will provide competition to Crystal Palace for Brentford's English striker Ollie Watkins. Again, a good fit for Villa, badly in need of a goal scorer. Um, be interesting to see what they do this summer. Obviously, they took a bit of a Fulham approach last year and went and signed everybody. Uh, it didn't work all that well. There was a lot of a lot of missteps, but Ollie Watkins, I think, would make a lot of sense. Uh, Tottenham are said to be considering a, a move for Brentford and Algeria winger side Ben Rama. Like I said, I think he's the best. He's the the most talented, the best of the the BMW front line at Brentford. I don't know that he starts for Spurs. I mean, they've got Son, they've got Bergwijn, they've got Mora. I don't think they should play 4-3-3 anyway. Um, I don't think that's a good move for him, if I'm honest. I don't think that's a good move for him. I think he would be better off. I mean, Villa would be a good move for him, especially if they sell Grealish. That will open up the left-hand spot the left wing spot, I think that would be a much better fit for him. Um, Southampton would be a really good fit for him, especially given that they play that box midfield. Him as one of the two attacking midfielders, um, with Moose Jenepo as the other, or, or Armstrong, I think that could be really, really strong. Those those three in rotation, um, behind Ings, Che Adams, uh, Shane Long, Nathan Redmond and um, Michael Obafemi. I think that's a good attack. I think it's got depth, it's got options, it's got versatility. I mean, Southampton should also look at Watkins, been, been honest, be a good fit with Ings. But uh, Ben Ram, I think that Southampton probably be the best fit for him. Um, Norwich are holding firm on a 20 million price. Yeah, I don't think they will hold firm. I think they'll... Um, I think they'll take I think they'll take twelve and LaRouche is my guess, or ten rising to twelve and LaRouche. The Athletic article said that they were probably wouldn't be interested in in LaRouche because he's a left back. And back in January they signed a left back. They brought in that young lad from um from Coventry City. Uh, but the thing is, LaRouche isn't a left-back. LaRouche's a winger who that we were converting to a left-back, but it was still in the very early days of that conversion. Sam McCallum is the name of that left-back from Coventry that Norwich signed. Uh, he's meant to be very, very good. A friend of mine's a Coventry City fan and was very disappointed when they, when they sold him. Funnily, they're now in the same division, Coventry and, and Norwich, after Coventry's promotion. Um, but LaRouche's not a winger, or not a fullback. He is a winger. He doesn't really want to play fullback, from what I can make out. Didn't look happy there at all. And didn't look like he had any instincts at all to play the position. So, I think LaRouche is a winger there. Especially considering they'll they'll probably lose one or both of Emmy Buendia and Todd Cantwell. I think Buendia they'll definitely lose. So I don't think he'll be willing to go back down. Cantwell might stay another year. Um, 
but they could play Larushi on the on the right hand side, cutting in his left foot. It could be very effective that way. And then the last one, then Tottenham are willing to sell United States centre back Cameron Carter Vickers for about two point five million. He's one that just hasn't developed the way they hoped he was. I remember three or four years ago, they were really, really high on him. They thought he was going to be a nailed-on starter for them. Um, he's he's a good centre-back, but he has, he has struggled to develop. He's had five loan spells. They've ranged in their success. Um, his last loan was at Luton, and it didn't go particularly well. Um, he is a good centre-back, and I think a championship team like Swansea, who he has been on loan at in the past, would make a lot of sense for him because they're losing their starting centre-backs from this season because they had them on loan. Um, I think Cameron Carter-Vickers would make a really good signing for them. Two and a half million is a good price for a young centre-back. At 22, centre-backs are still trying to figure out how to tie their laces. So, you know, he still has scope to develop, room to grow. He'd be one that they should look at, that Swansea should look at. And that's it. That is our roundup of the um, of the Premier League gossip. Uh, not a whole lot today. A little bit less than normal. But some interesting ones. Uh, just quickly, the Scottish gossip. Uh, Celtic are bracing for a big money chase for Odson Edward, with Arsenal and Leicester allegedly keeping tabs. And Aston, oh, although a report in England suggesting Villa had made an approach, is wide of the wide of the mark. Villa, he'd be a great signing for Villa. He he's a really really good striker. I think he's fifteen goals easy in the Premier League. Um, I. For Arsenal, unless they're selling Lacazette, which I think they're going to find it hard to do in, in this market, uh, he doesn't make sense. For Leicester, he does. If they sell Iannacci, or Iannaccio, rather, um, to bring him in and have him as your successor to Vardy, I really like Eduard. I think he's really, really good. Great all-round player. Um, comfortably the best player in Scotland for my money. I, I think he'd make a lot of sense. I mean, I'd like him at Liverpool. I, I would like him at Liverpool. I think he's not a starter for us, but coming off the bench instead of Origi, oh, he'd, he'd get goals for us. He'd get goals. Um, all the rest seems to be about Stephen Fletcher, although there is a report about Alfredo Morales, but I won't read it because it's, um, it's from... That's from the Scottish Sun, and I don't know if they're connected, so I'm just not going to read it. But Alfredo Morales is another very talented striker um, who needs to rein in his, his temper a bit. He did last season. He was a bit better, but he's very, very talented. I think Rangers expect him to leave. Um, I expect him to go to Spain. I think there's enough interest in him in Spain from the likes of Sevilla and Betis that that's where he'll end up. But, um, yes, yeah, Scotland could be losing... You know the two best goal scorers this summer, if Edward and uh, if Edward and Morales leave now, Edward, I would love to see him go to Lille. If they sell Memphis, I'd love to see him go to Lille and play with Musa Dembele, the guy he replaced at Celtic, because they seem to be playing a front two now. I think those two together with the movement, the intelligence, good pace, both are great finishers. Both are good in the air. Both are good in the floor. I think they could be a really good pairing together. He's another one that would be a good fit with West Ham. If West Ham want a partner for Haller, that's, of all the ones, he's probably the best one. He's a better player than Watkins. Um, and he's younger. I think the cost around the same. I think him and Haller would be really, really good. Especially if they if they do, you know, tuck... Fernald's in on the right and gets either play Felipe Anderson or get you know someone else in uh, on the left. I think Edward could be a really good player there. And that's it. That's me. That's me done. Um, probably taking up about an hour of your time today. So thank you for listening. Um, if you could hear a dog barking in the background, background that is uh, my dog Molly, the uh, official mascot 
of all podcasts I do, who likes to be on the podcasts as well. Um, she's barking at the man that cuts the grass. He comes every three weeks or so, and she barks at him every three weeks. The postman comes every day. She barks at him. If UPS or DHL come, she tries to go through the glass at them. Um, and she's the sweetest dog in the world. But if anyone comes in, comes in the driveway, she's an absolute psychopath. Um, yeah, that's me. That's me done. Um, I have a scouted pod out on Anfield Index Pro. I'm recording Retro Reds with Mike Nevin later today. So that'll be out on Pro. We did the Transfer Committee pod. That's obviously out on Pro as well. Uh, I do have a new podcast coming, uh, a free podcast. It's going to be um, from EPL Index. I'm writing there now, obviously, as well. I think I've, I think I've um, plugged my articles there. Um, I have one about Bournemouth, one about Leicester, and one coming about Arsenal. I'm, I'll write another one today. That'll go tomorrow. But... Uh, so I'm doing a lot of stuff with EPL Index at the moment. And uh, there is a, d- a daily podcast coming there. It's going to be a little bit like this one. It'll just be me most of the time. I will have some guests on. We're looking at doing maybe a, a two shows on a Friday um, or, or you know maybe a Saturday morning show with Dan Rhodes where we'll preview the Premier League games for the weekend. Um, Rhodesy, everybody should know. Um, one of the one of the great members of the uh, Anfield Index team. Um, so there'll be that. I'll hopefully be able to get some good interviews and in that as well for that podcast. Um, and it'll be it it'll be a lot of this. It'll be talking about you know whatever the news of the day is, whatever the transfer news is, whatever controversy there is, reviewing matches, previewing matches, um, having a moan. Which, you know, long-time listeners will obviously be surprised to, to hear me say that I might have a moan. But, you know, once in a while. Um, yeah, that's what the, the podcast is going to be. Daily podcast, 30 to 45 minutes every day. Um, try and get it out for your daily commute. So it'll come out around 4 p.m. We haven't got a launch date yet for it. Um, we're still finalizing some details and getting artwork and stuff done up, but it will be soon. It will be soon. Uh, I would really love if everybody could give it a listen. If you like it, listen every day, tell your mates, share it on any social media you can. Would be a big help to me. Um, trying to make a bit of a, a bit more of a go of this, doing this rather than having a nine to five, uh, spending my time talking to you lovely people about football is is more what I want to do than sitting in an office or driving three quarters way across the country um, to give out to people who aren't doing their jobs. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for all your support over the last couple of years with this, with AI Pro, with everything we do. Make sure you check out AI Pro. Make sure you check out EPL Index. Check out AnfieldIndex.shop. There's phenomenal uh, products up there if you want if you've gotten the new jersey and you want the the champions badge next day shipping can't go wrong see you next time Podcast Network. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.